0: Welcome to episode 81 of the Swamp Flex podcast. My name is Brandon Ledeh. And I'm James Cohn. And we are recording in James' apartment in Mid-City, New Orleans. Hey. And we are talking about Christian films today mm. by James's choice.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm so sorry. I could have picked some really bad ones. I tried to make it a little palatable. It'll
0: be an interesting conversation, I think. Yeah. But before we get into that, I should mention we have like a new format for the show now. We're going to try to switch things up a little bit and try to limit the number of movies we talk about so we can get into each one a little more instead of scrambling around to cover everything on Mm -hmm. on a similar topic. you know. And all that's going to come up later, but in the meantime, I'm still going to ask you at the top of the show, what have you been
1: watching lately? So last night I went and saw High Life, which I was very excited about, and I haven't been that disappointed in a very long time. I really... Did not like this movie. And I, I really like to. it. Really? <laughs> yeah.
0: Cece and I started doing weekly episodes between the regular ones right. last week. And our very first one was us talking about highlights. Cece liked it too. Yeah, we both liked it. But uh, also, uh, Boomer is going to be filing a negative review of the film okay. in the meantime. So it's very divisive. It is
1: divisive. I mean, I thought visually it was pretty stunning. But I felt like the movie was bookended. To me, I was really drawn to just a father and his daughter and space together and he's trying everything he can to like raise her and so they can survive. And so for me, the first like 20 minutes and the last like 15 minutes worked. And then there's a big chunk of like an hour in the middle of the movie that I absolutely hated. What? Yeah. That's
0: the best stuff in the film. No. Juliette Binoche is a mad scientist collecting everyone's sperm and masturbating with a fuck box. And
1: And raping Robert Pattinson to take his semen and then inject it in this other girl. And then this guy rapes this girl and they all beat him. And I just like, for what? I feel like
0: it's this really eerie, disgusted fascination with humanly bodily fluids and like how gross our bodies are and how like impossible and stupid space travel is and like why would you ever do this to yourself what could you possibly gain from this kind of like scientific experimentation it
1: it just felt like it was trying to be like a really edgy like nihilistic interstellar or something like just a very negative view on humanity which i don't mind but that doesn't mean that that middle section wasn't a fucking bore. The I was not was bored. I was compelled. Really?
0: Yeah. I thought the atmosphere was really beautiful. And like, I had no idea what was going to happen from minute to minute. And I, I also think that there is like a, this larger theme in the film about like, basically they're on this spaceship where they're confined as prisoners and like hurling towards this black hole. So like, they have no chance of ever going back to Earth and never coming, like, nothing good can happen Right, what it's a suicide doing. mission And I feel like that's Earth in a microcosm Like, we're all trapped on this planet uh, that is going to end soon and we have no hope and no reason to hope and we continue to try to make babies and make things happen even though it's, like, all gonna come to a close Very and everything's pointless But,
1: but see, okay, so you you love that in this movie because it's dressed up as, like, this bodily fluid sci-fi movie but that's exactly what like first reformed yeah this is way more entertaining than first reformed no (laughs) (laughs) it's it's not it was not for me and we'll talk about a bunch of christian films later in the
0: episode that are like very philosophical and talky and like talk out these concepts at length and i feel like this movie is using like a cinematic language instead of like verbal language and I feel like First Reformed is a very talky dialogue it movie. Is, it is. And all of yeah. its themes come through its exchanges between characters, almost like a stage play. But High Life is expressing these anxieties and these like larger themes through you know images and sounds and evoking a mood through that. And it, I, that, that is cinema to me. That's a really great
1: film. I, it it fell flat. It just <laughs> that's how I flat. felt during First Reformed. It felt flat for me. That I man, and I really wanted to like it. Yeah. Too, and just I thought. Right until the those first credits where you know the bodies are floating—that's such a iconic image—and then as soon as that ended, it just like took a nosedive for me. And I was more compelled by the middle segment where Julia
0: Pinochet's is terrorizing everyone no, <laughs> with her no, long no, she's flowing the hair fuck machine. And you know, did you ever see Trouble Every Day from the same director? Uh, Claire Jeannie no. did this '90s or early 2000s horror called Trouble Every Day. It's in that new French extremity end of cinema, mm-hmm. and it's the same kind of thing. It's this like cannibal um, virus type film, but it's the slow moving art movie, and it's very disgusted with the human body and with sexuality. And like, I just like, I got the same mood with this, but it was in space, which you know makes it twice as good to me. <laughs> like I liked both. Yeah, of them but a I lot. just don't.
1: Uh, none of the care like you have these characters that obviously they're on death row. They have some backstory, and they just felt so one dimensional and not fleshed out. If it wasn't for Robert Pattinson and Julia Binoche, They're good actors. No, and they... They convey a lot. They, like, kind of held this film together. I'd say Mia Goth and uh, Andre Benjamin,
0: uh, Andre 3000, they, they both do a good job of conveying, like, a backstory without explaining much, but, you know... Right. I sort of get where they're coming from.
1: Well, maybe some other episode we can go This is so weird to be
0: on this side of like the, you know, obscure art film. Like, I'm usually, usually would be in swapped places.
1: No, I know. And I should love this. (laughs) That's what made it so frustrating is like, this should do something for me. And just, it didn't. Did you see anything you did like recently? So, what I did like, have you ever watched uh, Boomerang? I've never heard of Boomerang. Okay. So, Eddie Murphy, who during. Beverly Hills Cop and 48 Hours. He was kind of put in this box as like the comedic like kind of sidekick, I guess. And Boomerang was like his foray into romantic comedy. Oh, interesting. It's really good. And actually for a movie that talks about like kind of gender inequality and some like kind of hot button topics, it has aged remarkably well. I'm guessing this is early to mid 80s early nineties. Oh okay, okay. I believe. But what what I really love about this movie is first of all, it is funny. It's got David Allen Greer, Martin Lawrence, it's got Halle Berry's first role. It's got Robin Givens. It it's got a whole litany of stars. But I, I think it's interesting that it takes place in this ad company, advertising firm, and all the employees are black and they're all successful like business CEO types and apparently when the movie came out some critics applauded that like oh good because for so long black actors couldn't get those roles but apparently it also turned some critics off they're like this is unrealistic that you would have a whole advertising firm of just upperly mobile black people this is not imagine being the asshole
0: writing that in 2019 like right (laughs) that's (laughs) so so bad
1: like and even today watching it it feels super fresh to see that The whole plot is basically like Eddie Murphy is this kind of womanizer, very suave. He can get any lady he wants, but then the boomerang is, it kind of comes back on him and he's chasing after this woman, Robin Givens, who like is playing him and now he's desperately going after her. Oh, Eartha Kitt. That was the other one. Oh wow. I love Eartha Kitt. Yeah. And she, she plays this like horny CEO that's (laughs) like seducing (laughs) him. Um, but anyway, it was like, it's very funny. It's sweet. Again, it's fresh. It's politics are like pretty progressive, especially for the time. Yeah. Like consider like
0: what women want from like years later where he's an ad exec who doesn't take his women employees um, seriously and gets a concussed and like learns his lesson. That movie has not aged well at all for like a large number of reasons. Yeah. So to hear the, that
1: one from even earlier did well. Well, and what got me to watch it is I read an article about how A lot of black people grew up with this movie because B.E.T. apparently used to just show it all the time, like constantly rerunning it. And um, like I had kind of heard of it, but never seen it. And then watching, I was like, oh, damn, like I see why this is kind of an important film. But in the larger context with Eddie Murphy's career, I think it's really interesting that he did this foray into romantic comedy that was like very successful and then never went back to it. And then his career lately has been Doctor Doolittle, yeah, and like Nutty Professor, and yeah. He will be playing Dolomite in that Netflix movie soon, which should be interesting. That should, should be, be good. More of like a dramatic role. But it's weird because he can carry a romantic lead. I, I just wonder why he never went back to that because he can definitely pull it off. But anyway, if you haven't seen Boomerang, man, definitely check it out. It's really good. Yeah, I never heard of it, to be honest. Yeah, Yeah. definitely check it out. Um, What about you? Have you watched anything recently? So I've been doing a lot of yard
0: work lately. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Like busting up concrete with a sledgehammer and hauling that around uh, and replacing it with dirt from where the concrete was going. So I've been very delirious I've been watching a lot of movies in this like half-sleepy kind of state. Mm. I'm going to talk about two films that I think one benefited from that delirium and the other one did not. Right. The one I wish I was a little more alert for, let's start with that. It's a new film and it's called The Field Guide to Evil. It is a international horror anthology that gathers entries from all over the world. I think there's like nine different countries or eight different countries that have submissions in this film. And all of the segments are adapted from folklore from their respective countries. Hmm. Peter Strickland who did The Duke of Burgundy mm-hmm. has my favorite segment of the film which feels like this like almost German expressionist throwback in vibrant color and it's like very odd to watch on the big screen. Hmm. The directors of Goodnight Mommy, the director of The Lore, which is that Polish mermaid yeah. musical I love, all these great horror film directors doing this like The Witch or November or Tale of Tales style like surreal old world horror. Like oh. it, it's got this like old textbook feel to cool. it. Now, because it's a horror anthology, most places that are going to program it are horror film festivals and like your local artsy fartsy spot, but like late at night, like I saw it at the broad and the only time it was playing every day was at 10 PM. Mm-hmm. It is too dry and too long of a film for that slot. I normally don't fall asleep at the movies and I was struggling to stay awake at this one, even though I was like intrigued by each entry. Some segments are more interesting than others. But I just want to convey that this is one that you want to watch, like, with some coffee in the early afternoon. It's not like a raucous, like, creep show type film where it's like a creature feature thing. It's it's like watching The Witch in 20-minute segments over and over and over again, you know?
1: Well, that's what I was about to ask. Like, how many entries are—it's not like an ABCs of Death where there's, like, they're all, like, a few minutes and there's a bunch no, of No, there's
0: them. eight stretched out over two hours. Okay. So it's a little long and a little dry, but I think it's very good and there's like such a good wide range of tales. There's like
1: gins and goblins and is there witches any, and is ghosts. Is there any like overarching plot kind of like in Creepshow that ties everything together? I'd say it's kind of like Brothers Grimm type like morality right. tales for
0: like the elevated horror, like A24 horror era. So honestly, I'm totally on the hook for this film. I think it was good. I want to watch it again more alert at home. And it had a day and date release, which means that it was like on VOD the same day it was in Mm theaters. So you can rent it now, even if it's not playing near you locally, you can rent it on VOD. And I kind of recommend that because your local spot's probably going to put it in that 10 p.m. slot and it's too dry for that.
1: Interesting. Okay. And
0: I feel like to even get into more details of what I saw, I'd have to watch it again myself because I was so delirious and so like fighting the urge to pass out. CC was kind of elbowing me during a couple <laughs> segments like, you OK over there? I'm like, no, so oh, I'm struggling.
1: What was, what was the film where the delirium kind of helped you? Oh, man, I've gone off the fucking deep end here. Yeah. OK, okay.
0: <laughs> so there's a lot of religious themes to feel guide to evil, and we're talking about religious movies later in the episode. I've been chasing like outsider art recently, um, with the Matt Farley films Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, Doris Wishman and a few other, like, you know, people making like cheapo art for themselves and like establishing these like little insular communities. I think I might've gone a little too far. I I found this cult in California called the Unarius Academy of Science. Uh, It is a UFO cult in Mm. California and they make public access movies that explain their philosophy in, like, these sort of, like, propaganda pieces. Mm-hmm. I ordered a Blu-ray directly from the cult oh, and received it in a package oh, no. with, like, all this, like, literary materials trying to induct me into their, like, philosophy. And the one I bought was their most famous film. It's called The Arrival, and it's from 1980. Hmm. It is a 50-minute slice of outsider art, uh, so it's barely a feature film. It is one of the more unique things I've seen in a long time and just that it has all these hand-built sets and costumes mm-hmm. and it tries to explain what they're about. Like what is Unarius and Unarius is this cult that believes that a UFO came down at some point and re sparked in humanity access to our past lives. So in the film, I think in some ridiculous year, it's like, 120,000 BC or some shit some caveman is in Lemuria which is a fictional continent comes in contact with alien beings and instead of in most sci-fi the alien beings don't conquer the earth what they do is they enlighten this caveman Mm -hmm. and they tap into his memories of past lives and they go even thousands of years further back And it's sort of like the Star Wars deal. And this is like not that long after Star Wars, 1980. Mm -hmm. Uh, It taps further back to where he is captain on a spaceship that's like in the middle of like a laser battle. And he pulled the trigger on like this sort of atomic bomb deal that blew up thousands of people. And that past sin or that past evil is sort of like lurking in his current spiritual form. Like our spiritual forms contain all of the lust and ego and like greed Mm -hmm. of our past lives and this um, cult leader Unarius something Archangel Unarium or whatever her name is uh, she wears all these like elegant space gowns and descends upon the earth and does all these walk and talks with the caveman now that he is enlightened to like what has been troubling him from the past and basically tells him about acceptance and like uh, how to deal with his past lives. It's got this very Scientology kind of feel to it, but it's a little more wholesome because they're not busting down my door right now to kill me for saying that what they're saying is false. Um, (laughs) This movie is so fascinating. Like you kind of would think that because it's all amateur actors and amateur built sets and things that it would be like camp and like so funny because it's just sort of off, mm-hmm. but instead it's this very meditative piece with all these like slow dialogue and these beautiful flashing lights. Um, that because I was delirious, like was sort of lulling me into this like meditative state, and it was almost like I was like being won You're over, being brainwashed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like if I was so stoned and like desperately sad in the '80s that I caught this like. Oh, late no. night on like Californian yeah. public access
1: I could see being won over and be like I need to go to see what that cult's about Jesus so like how many movies did they make are they still making movies? I think they're still like, making them really yeah.
0: Once their leader died in the 90s, I think the movie sort of shifted from these fictional sci fi pieces and these like dramatic plays to a more like slideshow philosophical explanation of what their deal is. And it still has all these hand drawn illustrations of like their past lives and the, the UFO landing and talking to us. But it can't beat this like early 80s, like hand built sets and like kind of impressive DIY special effects. Like it doesn't look cheap. Okay, it looks cheap, but it doesn't look like amateurish. It looks like somebody actually knows what they're doing, but just doesn't have the money to pull it off on a large scale. It's pretty impressive for a 1980 hmm. film. And just the meditative, like, calming, philosophical, like, indoctrination of it, I found really fascinating. And I I really appreciate it as, like, this outsider art of people, you know, expressing what they believe the world is in this hmm. very rationalized, logical manner. Um, That, you know, on paper sounds fucking ridiculous, but in the film is like actually kind of like, oh, wow, that's really impressive that that's what you think is going on and that you like kind of pulled it off visually.
1: Kind of just remind me of like a Heaven's Gate type philosophy with the extraterrestrials. And then I mean, what so what is the belief system like eventually one day they'll reconnect with their alien benefactors? I haven't gotten that deep into it. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> like i've gotten to the part where i've been told that my spiritual form is like holding all these past that evils is very and Scientology. Sins, very scientology yeah. yeah and um you know these like benefactor aliens have in their kind hearts come down to earth and sort of reawaken these memories in us and we need to sort of accept that uh some things are not our current anxieties they're actually just holdovers from our past yeah that's straight out of
1: you said they're based in California. A lot or? of cults are based in California. Yeah. Right? What it, I mean,
0: and I'm about to go to California for the first time in like within the next few you days. You go visit them. I might become a cult member. I don't know. This podcast you're, might you're take just a not, very yeah, weird turn. He's not going <laughs> to come back.
1: I was thinking you should have made me watch that for the, our Christian. Yeah. We're talking about later. And Maybe if I had seen it early enough, I maybe would we'll, have. We'll have. We'll have a cult episode and as far
0: as i know you can't really watch most of these on youtube or anything you you have to order these like How dvds was from the them. dvd it's 15 bucks for a blu-ray not great but not you're, bad you're insane <laughs> <laughs> i mean they have my address now they've been emailing me asking me if oh, i want more no. information about oh, what they're no, up no, to no. so yeah you i'm on a list them. yeah i feel like i might have overstepped my bounds a little bit but i just still think it was fascinating and there are little short documentaries you can watch on YouTube about the UNarius Academy of Science. If you want a taste of what yeah. their like visual achievements look like, might have
1: to borrow that Blu-ray. I from think you'd you. find it interesting. I, I, I would. And a lot of
0: these like philosophical movies we've been talking about. You, you mentioned First Reformed, and the main film we're going to talk about today are these like lengthy philosophical conversations. Uh, and this. Movie The Arrival has that set against these like UFO sets and these aliens wearing these like beautiful space robes and Hmm. these like flashing celestial lights, uh, sort of like blinking at you, uh, until you like are relaxed enough to sort of accept their message. Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Which I don't know, it's very interesting. I'm ready to get indoctrinated, yeah, exactly. Well, I hope everyone's ready to get indoctrinated because we're all going to talk about Christian propaganda for the rest of the (laughs) episode. (laughs) And uh, our good friend Hannah Rastanen is going to join us for that conversation. And all that's coming up to you right right now. now. Who wouldn't be skeptical
1: when a man claims to have spent an entire weekend with God? In a shack,
2: no less. And not just any shack. This was the shack. What I'm about to tell you is a little on the, well, it's a
1: lot on the fantastic side. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's not true.
0: And now it's time for our regular Movie of the Minute segment. This is where hosts of the show bounce back and forth recommending films to each other. And joining us for this conversation, we have Hannah Rasanin. Hello. Who has been on the show before. It's just been a while.
2: Yeah, been a couple of um, months. And I kind of just accidentally saw all these movies. <laughs> <laughs> just proximity. Then, yeah, I Might just as figured. as well talk about them. Exactly.
0: And this was James's pick this time. And he made us watch The Shack, which is from 2017. Mm-hmm. What is The Shack, James?
1: Oh, I mean, The Shack represents a lot of things. <laughs> but I, the reason I picked this movie is I figured, you know, Easter was pretty recently. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's this documentary coming out about Satan, and Satan's all cool. And I just felt like it would be a nice, refreshing thing to see a good, good old fashioned Christian message film.
0: And we're all coming at this as atheists or agnostics somewhere well, on that realm, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think you should say up front, if you're going to watch like a bunch of Christian evangelist films, you should sort of admit your bias. Uh,
1: yeah, but, uh, you know, after The Shack, I think <laughs> I've kind of reconsidered some of my...
2: Our eyes have been opened.
0: Yeah. <laughs> your life is going
1: to be defined like pre-Shack
0: and post-Shack. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: But, uh, no, so basically the movie's based on a pretty popular novel, from what I gather. A self-published
0: book. Right. That is unexpectedly made a bunch of money because people dump books on Amazon all the time and they mm-hmm. don't go anywhere. But, but for some reason,
1: off. this one, well, and I think I have a theory as to why it caught on, but anyway, so story revolves around this guy, Mac. He's, you know, a good Christian man, but he, as a show early in the film, he comes from like a abusive upbringing and he might've poisoned his father. I think it's sort of, alluded to he murdered him yeah
2: definitely killed his father killed his father but
1: he's grown into a a nice family man with apparently no guilt about killing his dad because he grew up in
0: an abusive home the dad was like a drunk wife and child beater Mm -hmm. right uh and that was his like on earth revenge yeah something that you should let god deal with in the afterlife you know
1: so yeah so he's like a good god-fearing man and he uh (laughs) and his whole world is shattered when he takes his Kids on a camping trip And after saving one kid from drowning He realizes his adorable little daughter Has gone missing And then it turns out She was abducted And violently uh, murdered Presumably raped mm-hmm. in some shack There's a lot of morbid lingering on her Like right. bloody dress yeah, on the Yeah, red
2: dress strewn on the floor
1: Yeah, so obviously he has A kind of crisis of faith And one day he gets a letter in the mail from God, and basically inviting him back to the shack where his daughter was brutally murdered. And he shows up over there, and suddenly, this like barren, desolate area is turned into some gorgeous Eden like paradise. And a young man invites him to this beautiful, like, getaway cabin. And there, he hangs out with what we find out is the Holy Trinity. So, you have God. Played by Octavia Spencer, which is great, wonderful. That's that casting is the best part of the movie. Yeah, I'll, I'll
0: just say that in front.
1: And then, and then you have uh, Jesus, played by someone I don't know, but he looks he looks like Jesus. It's I don't a know. good casting in that he's a Middle Eastern yeah. man, right? Right. He's I'll, not
2: a white white dude with long brown hair.
1: That is yeah. smart. And then the Holy Spirit is played by I is she it's kind of ambiguous. She's an East Asian woman. Asian, very hot, (laughs) hot, young, full of life. Who
0: is hardcore flirting with this guy, right? Like I was catching vibes from her. Oh yeah. Oh definitely. (laughs) He wanted
1: to bang the Holy Spirit (laughs) so bad. And so like most of the movie is just him hanging out with the Holy Trinity and kind of asking God questions, you know, your typical crisis of faith. Like why do you Mm -hmm. let bad things happen? And,
0: and learning to forgive his father and the abductor of his child.
1: Right. The time. But, like, God cooks him dinner. He goes walking on water with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's planting a garden with the Holy Spirit. And in the uh, most surreal and, like, fantasy-like sequence, goes into
0: the Cave of Wisdom and hangs out with Judgment mm-hmm. <laughs> for yeah, an afternoon.
1: very busy. Biz- and Judgment's, like, kind of an asshole. <laughs> Finally, someone's an asshole. <laughs> But uh, And, of course, he, like, comes back to God and uh, learns to forgive, and his faith is restored. Mm-hmm. Which I should say is a
0: deviation from the novel. Uh, really? In the novel, he comes back. Uh, basically, this whole thing has been a um, dream and his concussion in both instances. Mm-hmm. Right. In the movie, he comes back wiser and, like, more accepting of God. Uh, in the novel, he comes back with knowledge of where his child was buried that he had in this vision, because he finds that in the cave. And then uh brings the murderer to trial and gets justice in the legal system. Oh, that's oh. stupid. So weird. And like, you know, a completely different line of thinking from the movie. philosophically, this is about forgiveness and acceptance right. and like wisdom of moving on and you know. Not god, like, god is not a vengeful God in this film. Like god God loves the abusive dad and the uh child murderer. And, mm-hmm.
1: God also loves Neil Young a lot. I, really her favorite <laughs> artist. I thought that was a nice touch. Anyway, so why I, and I did like this movie, I didn't, you know, I didn't love it. But for a Christian movie of this sort, I thought it was, it was really playful and fun in a way that some of the other ones we're going to talk about weren't. And it also felt kind of new agey a little bit. It's this universe, universal kind of religion where mm-hmm. I think it's not really saying this is the only path to truth. It's pretty open-ended. And that's what surprised me the most. Like,
0: we've gotten... uh, There's this company we'll talk about a little later called Pure Flix. Right. That's sort of taken over, you know, mainstream, you know, box office returns with these, like, hardcore evangelical, like, hateful Mm -hmm. uh, Christian pictures. And this is a more, like, spiritualist, like, God can take many forms. Yeah, Uh, It's a different vibe.
2: Yeah. And I think there's even a part where Jesus is talking to Mac and he says something, like, if he were... On Earth, he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't be beholden to a religion. He would just love all people on Earth. Which,
1: I was reading some criticisms of this film by the Christian right, and they absolutely hate (laughs) that. And they hate, like, certain aspects of it like that, where it it seems super open arms, accepting non-judgmental in any way.
0: Which is closer to Christianity on paper. Yeah. And their version of Christianity is, like, this hateful, like, vindictive... Religion that's not open to other people participating. It's, right. it's more like judging who will go to hell before they get there, uh, while we're here on Earth.
1: Mm-hmm. I, and I think that's why it sort of resonated with me. Like, and it was, it was just kind of like a fun hangout flick, and it didn't feel overly like judgmental or preachy, in in that way. And it has some like absurdist elements to it, surreal for sure, or surreal, yeah. So I don't know if like all the Christian movies. I've seen this is probably one of the better ones, but I don't know what what did y'all think about it?
2: so I liked the kind of open accepting approach. I think that so originally when i was I was watching it and I was expecting like there's this story that uh, Mac tells his daughter about this uh, Native American princess who sacrifices herself to save her tribe, and I thought that you know she would somehow internalize that story and and maybe to save the uh, son who's drowning, she would like jump off a waterfall or something like that. So it would be this um, kind of actual human story that had some logic. But it, it turned into this like very extreme act of unpredictable violence. It's like there's this child murderer who's roaming around the woods and then he steals her and there's this giant search. So I just wish that it had been grounded in. Like a more day to day traumatic suffering, basically.
0: Yeah, the closest you get to that is when he's in the cage, of, the cave of wisdom. Right. Which is my favorite sequence in this film. It's just <laughs> so fun to say. But uh, judgment asks him like, which of his remaining alive kids would he yeah. condemn to hell? <laughs> and his like wise answer is like, oh, take me instead. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and I guess that's the only time that fable comes back up. Yeah. But both of those situations, like. A person that's going to abduct your child, or a celestial being that's going to make you choose between your remaining children—that's yeah. not something most people are going to face. So yeah, it's kind of a bullshit uh, yeah. scenario.
2: Yeah, and I think it's—it would be like obviously it's easy to be angry at this person who like stole this person's or stole your child and murdered them and possibly raped them. I just I wish that it had been some. Yeah, some difficulty that everybody faces that, that would cause a pretty common crisis of faith.
1: Well, also related to that is like, so he's having this crisis of faith, but then he actually gets to hang out with Jesus and God. Right. And it still takes him like a few days to like believe in God. Again, it's like... but. God is cooking you dinner and like being super nice. And it's obviously God is real. So what are you like worried about anymore? Like
0: and the like fantasy, it sets up for most Christians or like spiritual people is like, who wouldn't want to spend an entire weekend in a shack with God? You know, just like, Relaxing with God for a weekend. Yeah. That sounds so exhausting and like overwhelming. Like, <laughs> like maybe a half hour with God over like brunch I could yeah. do, but like a weekend with God does not sound fun to me.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of
1: pressure. Well, and she gives a lot of like kind of half assed answers that I don't know are pretty typical of someone defending their faith or like why God lets awful things happen. And it's just like she really doesn't offer any good answers to some of his yeah. criticisms.
2: That issue comes up for me with a lot of Christian films. I mean, I feel like a lot of it is just a justification of suffering. Like, why you should believe in God despite suffering without... In um, in the another movie we're going to talk about, Saved, I feel like she's going through a crisis of faith in a very real kind of measured way but i i just don't like the kind of didactic sermon approach that a lot of christian films have
0: and they dwell on suffering and like the world we live in now is this like dark yeah dank hell pit uh, <laughs> that we're like suffering through until we get to the next life and we get rewarded then mm-hmm. which is such a terrible way to look at like the life we're living now right and it doesn't feel good it reminds me like when i go to my parents house and they're like watching csi or something on the tv or uh you know Law and Order Special Victims Unit. It's mm-hmm. always this, like, super morbid right. shit. And it's like, this is mainstream culture for people to be sitting down to watch these, like, you know, rape victims get torn open in, like, surgical manner at length on screen. Mm-hmm. I get that same sensation watching these movies. Like, they dwell on the worst of human misery. Yeah, yeah. It's this... Like, you
1: can't just have a crisis of faith just because he thinks deeply about existence and his place in the universe, and he's struggling with that. It has mm-hmm. to be some cataclysmic, right. like, oh, my daughter was brutally raped and murdered Mm -hmm. it's the only way i could start to question god okay this is a bad movie this is where i'm gonna step (laughs) (laughs) into it's
0: it's very interesting like as a like self-published novel that happened to take off as like an expression of this like id from this like you know anybody could have fucking written this Mm -hmm. this guy wrote this like fantasy about what the personification of god would be like and it's kind of awesome that that took off But, okay, this movie is over two hours long. It is
1: way too long. That is a
0: crime. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, It's also, like, suffers a very typical Hollywood trope, which is people of color helping a white man become wise. Yeah. Like, the Holy Trinity is these, like, archetypes of, like, three different kinds of people of color, and they're all helping this white man, like, improve himself. So this is, like, the, you know, most exaggerated extreme of that trope imaginable. And then also, it's got the same problem that a lot of these like Christian films are and and that they're propaganda before their art. Mm -hmm. So like so much of it is philosophical conversation and like the parts of the film I picking up on that James really liked was like, you know, walking on water with Jesus and like God making you spaghetti. And uh, (laughs) for me, the cave cave of wisdom wisdom. it's very like, it's almost like Conan the barbarian or something Mm. entering the cave of wisdom and all those Parts are, like, interesting and fun, but it's maybe 20 minutes out of this, like, two-hour philosophical debate. Mm -hmm. And I've heard it described before where, like, Christians have this problem because a lot of people who are artists, like, become part of, like, artist communities and, like, leave the faith. And they have no one left to make good art when they're, like, trying to, like, make a point. And that felt like this here. Like, there's no driving force. Like, the most creative it gets is in painting the world where God is... As this like warm, nature full area, and then the life that he's living before he's concussed and his daughter's been killed already is this like frozen tundra with no color yeah. at all. And that difference is like the strongest like creative thing that movie comes up with outside of like a few moments. I don't know. I think it's a bad yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean it is a bad movie. But as far as like Christian and I've seen a few at this point, I'd say this isn't the worst. It's like no. probably in the upper tier. Doesn't that me. make
0: it worse though? Like, don't you want something with a strong point of view and like a strong moral center and like something to say, even if what it's saying is so
1: vile to be honest in what it believes. Or kind just of. have
0: something to say in the first place. I'm here for two hours. Like this movie, <laughs> all it says to me is like, be accepting and like God do the judgment after you're dead. And I feel like that's such a basic concept. I don't need to be there for two and a half hours.
1: But it's so nice. <laughs> it's just, it's just nice to it hang out good. with the Holy Trinity. It's not, and, a, like, it's not as it's nice good. as like Paddington.
0: Paddington doesn't need that, you know. Like I don't know. There's, yeah, there's nicer things out there with more of a point and more like an artistry to it. Uh, now I thought this was fine, and it didn't anger up my blood, but I was also bored by it.
2: This is a stray observation, but there's also that part where I, I think where he's going to find his daughter's body, and Octavia Spencer turns into. Like a wise Asian man and it's a Native like he, American. Yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. yeah. And he, it's like, oh, you need a, a father for what your the path you're going on. It's like, yeah, that's that was like a, a little very weird. weird yeah. yeah, but that's
1: <laughs> but and Brandon touched on this, but that's what I think is so interesting is like this movie did make a good amount of money. It made mm-hmm. like a hundred million dollars, uh, which is pretty big for something. Like you said, some random guy wrote who's not a pastor. He's not a theologian. Uh, and somehow it's had this, like, mainstream success. But you see his, like, personal kind of viewpoint right. sticking through. Of yeah, it's like, kind of
0: like Tommy Wiseau in the room. Like, you get his, like, <laughs> evil philosophy on women uh, by mistake through him, like, expressing himself. Right, and like this with the
1: Native American thing, like, his own ideology is sort of creeping in yeah. in a weird way. But then it also has this, like, really mainstream appeal because it's so kind of wishy-washy. So I I don't know. I just found I found that interesting and I found it like so non-confrontational in its beliefs that I thought it was like really palatable. for Yeah,
2: I think it's more interesting to watch something with a strong point of view. But I like the non-confrontational approach when it comes to accepting people that are not Christian in the like ideology of the movie. Like there are a lot of Christian movies where it's either... Christianity or um, misery and damnation, basically. And it was the case in the, at this point for Mac, but like we were saying before, it is kind of an open loving towards all.
1: See, that's why it's hard to judge these two because like, I'm judging it really because I like its philosophy or like it's kind of new agey. Mm-hmm. All religions are equal and accepting... So I'm really judging it based on that. As far as like a movie, yeah, of course, it's Not a good... That's what I'm bad. saying. It's more yeah. palatable as
0: propaganda. Right. right. But it's not, it makes it less interesting as art. Right. But
1: see, and then a movie we'll talk about later, God's Not Dead, kind of does the opposite thing where I actually found it to be more entertaining, way more entertaining, but I found it's like philosophy to be so fire and brimstone that it was kind of a turnoff... So I don't know if I'm judging its philosophy or it's like the film itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, hard, it's hard to say with these movies.
0: So religion is like a disease? Yes. Yes, it infects everything. It's the enemy of reason. Reason? Professor, you left reason a long time ago. What you're teaching here isn't philosophy. It's not even atheism anymore. What you're teaching is anti-theism. It's not enough that you don't believe. You need all of us to not believe with you. So I mentioned we're switching up the format of the show um, instead of doing like a larger topic. You know, when we first started doing this, it was like every evil doll movie I've ever seen.
1: <laughs> yeah, here's 30 evil doll movies and I, I think I've seen like Three of them. And then <laughs> we
0: did, like, the top ten time travel films of all time. Uh, we've kind of, like, whittled this down, smaller and smaller. Uh, now we're just going to, like, trade, like, a pairing to go with the main Movie of the Minute segment. Yeah,
1: a little more concise.
0: Uh, and you started mentioning God's Not Dead um, as, like, your pairing with The Shack. Mm-hmm. And it's a 2014 film that kick-started Pure Flix as a, like, <laughs> Christian, you know, box office juggernaut. What is God's Not Dead?
1: Apparently... It's based on a few different court cases, which, which, yeah, in the end credits, they make that clear. Mm
0: -hmm. I can't believe the movie still found ways to piss me off after it was over. (laughs) Yeah.
1: No, it's really remarkable. So, I mean, it's pretty simple. It just follows the main... Well, one problem with this movie is actually there's... In the beginning, you have no sense of what's going on because there's so many characters. But the main character is this college student. He is a young man of faith and he signs up to take this philosophy course with this really hardline atheist professor played by Kevin Sorbo Hercules <laughs> and uh on the very first day of class he asks the students to sign a paper admitting that god is dead so they can kind of move on from those religious debates and talk about philosophy and he refuses and there's other tangents and other subplots there's these like ministers that um, what do you call that when you go out like oh, missionaries. Uh, missionaries? Yeah. Who it feels like the
0: movie makes it feel like they're celebrities that we should already know. I do not know who those people are, what their point is until the very end when like some sort of gag is revealed. Also, Duck Dynasty people are in this <laughs> yep. uh, for some reason. A, but... few,
1: mm-hmm. a very popular Christian rock band mm-hmm. whose name I can't remember, but they oh the Newsboys. Oh the Newsboys, that's it. Do you need us? My so Newsboys so tattoo is like a reminder. <laughs> <laughs> We do, like, a full performance at the end. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's
0: there's all these side characters, but really the, like, central debate is this, like, classroom crisis uh, where the the scale is tipped to, like, the atheist being this, like, evil intellectual tyrant and the Christians in the uh, scenario are this, like, persecuted class Mm -hmm. uh, where the... Freshman student is the only Christian in his philosophy class. And I don't know if it's just me speaking of being like a Southerner, but that is fucking insane. That is not true.
1: (laughs) Well, and what's also interesting about this, Brandon, is we both went to LSU where this is filmed.
0: Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, and I had the exact
1: same thought when I was watching. I was like, I went to LSU and there were a lot of religious People there, which, they were not a persecuted class, which
0: angers me about the like court cases that scroll at the end. Like, oh, this was all true and based on fact. It's like, no, it's fucking not. <laughs> you tip the scale, and you. It's such an unfair debate. Of course, yeah. And just like the uh, caricatures of like what a good Christian persecuted person is like versus like the evil atheists who just get shat on in this movie like they get hit with cars they get diagnosed with cancer (laughs) their lives we their wives leave them and like all this other stuff happens Mm -hmm. to them but i will say i thought this was a much more interesting and engaging film than the shack only because i was infuriated it's very confrontational that's
1: that's what's so fun about it what did you think of hannah
2: i mean so this to me is the epitome of like christianity or misery like Every there is no good character that is not also a Christian, yeah. and then there is like there is the Muslim girl Ugh. who is secretly a Christian, and oh her father beats, beats her when yeah. he finds out and throws her out of the house, and she has to find refuge. It's it, super
0: judgmental about hijabs. And, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. It's just like totally out like. Kind of like anti-feminist, anti um liberal, anti-muslim, like it's just like christianity and duck dynasty.
0: These are the people that got trump elected. Yeah. This, is, this is what <laughs> led to like the like culture we're living in now. And I find that expression of whatever they believe like to be so much more truthful and like solid and recognizable as the sh- than the Shack. Like the Shack is like the lie of like, oh, this is what Christianity is like. It's actually this really forgiving, nice, everyone's invited kind of thing. And God's not dead is more like, no, this is what we believe, and you're a piece of shit if you don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, believe I think it.
1: one's like the fundamentalist, yeah, like right wing hardliner approach, and the other is the New Agey, the kind of leftist, non denominational approach to Christianity. Yeah, it's very funny how every single character that is not a Christian is just a piece of freaking <laughs> garbage. Right. Every single one without exception.
0: Well here's the question though. Like they're bad people, accepted, if that's what the movie's telling me. But the question is like why is bad things happening to them? Like the atheist feminist journalist, for instance, like yeah. she starts off the movie falling apart in these like sort of everyday ways like her hair's mussed up her coffee needs to be microwaved like she just doesn't have her shit together Mm -hmm. and she's playing this like gotcha journalism game with the duck dynasty folks calling them
1: out for like hunting and meat eating
0: which is funny because they actually did have a um they temporarily were canceled that year for like homophobic remarks made in the press Mm -hmm. and then reinstated because money you know trumps that but the question is and should be said immediately right after that she's diagnosed with cancer. So like her day just gets worse. <laughs> yeah. But uh, why are bad things happening to her? Is it because she's atheist and God is punishing her, or is it because she's atheist and we take enjoyment and fun in watching her suffer for her like crimes?
1: Oh, I think it's definitely both. Both? Yeah. <laughs> oh my I God, think, I think that's what it is. <laughs> it's so fucked up. I mean, I, I think that the ending with uh, Kevin Sorbo getting hit by the car <laughs> that is the like quintessential example of that where like audiences are supposed to revel in like ah see that mm-hmm. atheist see now he's on his deathbed which is also a total cop out like he doesn't come around to God till he's actually dying. And then what's the alternative? Yeah. It's yeah
2: like, he's kind of held hostage yeah, by the well, priest. It's like, okay, like you didn't die instantly. So I could come to your bedside. You know, do you accept Jesus into your heart? And he's, it's raining and he's dying. And like, what I, else I, is he going to do? I wish he would have just spit in like, his face. And be <laughs> right. Like, fuck, fuck you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> that would have made the whole, whole thing better. But
0: it's like that whole, like, uh, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole kind of deal. Like, you yeah, know, atheists are liars they actually are faithful but they um hold it as like intellectual superiority over idiot christians and like they're all rich and like in control of universities and the uh, right. entertainment industry
2: yeah. right the just uh the atheist elite at all the parties like giggling to themselves it's like a cult right? yeah exactly
1: i mean it's a very political film and i also think that it shows what conservatives how they kind of mm-hmm. view yeah people like liberal elites sipping wine at their cocktail parties and waxing philosophical and you know kind of up their own ass yeah yeah it's just it really is illuminating into what that segment of the population how they view like elites and yeah.
0: everyone like it, it, it divides people into these like caricatures um almost like drag or like pro wrestling right like, Everybody is this exaggerated thing. Like, the only black character in the film is like the class clown, and his name is G Man. Or, like, the um, hijab-wearing Muslim lady. She lives in this, like, very exaggerated, like, mm-hmm. Islamist, like, household. Yeah.
2: And Martin from the People's Republic of China. Oh. Very, yeah. Like, he's is such a character. He's calling his dad. And his dad is always in a car driving to some meeting and saying, like, ah, oh, just whatever your teacher says, that's, you know, that's what you should believe. It's just, yeah. Yeah. It's absurd. just, like,
1: you know, the Chinese are a bunch of commie mm-hmm. atheists. These liberal professors are, like... Complete dicks. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> which Kevin sort—it's so funny. He like is physically almost abusing his yeah. student at one point, right. like like backing him into a corner and threatening he's going to ruin his uh, career in law and all this. Like, who would do that? That's yeah. so unprofessional. Yeah,
2: he's just pacing back and forth <laughs> as this kid is giving this lecture. Like, I just felt like he was going to pull a gun out and shoot him.
0: Yeah. and the only safe space where these people were not yelled at and shot at are at the Newsboys concert <laughs> uh, at the end like right. they all like gather all the different strands of the story sort of converge and Duck Dynasty man shows up one more time mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. encourage us all to text everyone in our yeah. phone book that God's not dead to spread the message and join the movement <laughs> uh, yeah it's fucked up and it made me very angry the entire time and <laughs> I still found that much more compelling than the you know, sort of nothing.
1: The gooey gooey. Yeah.
0: Uh, <laughs> philosophy of the shack, which is a little harder to pin down.
1: Yeah. I mean, you should be lucky. That I didn't make you watch some of those Dinesh Suzuza, You oh, know, that is that guy. Yeah. He does the, like all the documentaries and it's like, lock her up, rock right. her mm-hmm. up, which he actually <laughs> went to jail for campaign finance, which, <laughs> violations, which is hilarious. That's beautiful. But this is definitely in that wheelhouse of Christian film. Very fire and brimstone. Mm -hmm. Which the movie I picked is sort of the
0: antidote to that, I would say. Uh, It's called Saved. It's from 2004. And it's a movie that I think a lot of Christians misinterpreted based on its advertising. Uh, When Lira and I saw this our senior year of high school in the theater, half of the theater left... Really? And we were the only two people laughing. And then on the way out, we got a lot of dirty looks from the old people who did stay behind. So I think people were expecting like a God's Not Dead kind of like Mm -hmm. high school drama. And instead, they get this very satirical comedy about that version of evangelical Christianity. Maybe even 10 years before it was like more of a norm. This is like early stirrings of like prayer warrior, George Bush era, like Christian evangelism.
1: Was that... Jesus camp.
0: Jesus mm-hmm. camp, like that era. Uh-huh. Um, in this film, Jenna Malone is a teenager, and she is filled in her head with all of this like Christian evangelism, like propaganda, and she convinces herself that the way to save the soul of her boyfriend, who is a closeted homosexual, is to have sex with him and turn him straight, and that's, that's what God wants from her. And she's just really just trying to do right. Like, it's not like she's like this hedonistic teenager. She's just mm-hmm. really just trying to do the best thing to save this poor man's soul, who she loves. And she gets pregnant on the very t- first time they fuck. <laughs> and uh, what happens over the film is that all these, like, friends that she thought were very concerned about her reality, like her well being mm-hmm. and her, like, spiritual life, instantly turn on her because she is a pregnant teenager with a gay boyfriend and who is suddenly friends with the only other people who would accept her which includes Macaulay Culkin as this, like, um, atheist
1: in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. And then a Jewish, just badass. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Like, metal metal
0: kid who somehow ended up at this uh, Christian evangelist high school. Mm -hmm. Um, I loved this movie when it came out. Even revisiting now, I'd put it up there with, like, drop-dead gorgeous and... But I'm a cheerleader but is a cheerleader like yeah. came to mind, yeah. mm-hmm. the uh like most overlooked films from this like nineties teen canon. Even though this spills over into two thousand four, it feels in line with that. And even ends at this like John Hughes type prom thing. So it feels like yeah. a teen rom com ultimately, on top of it being um a satire on like Christian evangelism. what uh, what did, did you all think of Saved?
2: I love this movie. I saw this when I was in middle school, I think, and I loved it. I saw it a couple of times and I haven't seen it for Uh, maybe, I don't know, a couple of years. But yeah, I love this movie. And I think this is a great example of a movie that I I do think that it is still, you know, a Christian movie. She doesn't renounce her faith. She also doesn't convert her atheist and Jewish friends to Christianity. But she is grappling with and reconciling her faith with these things that she's going through and which are very, very common for teen girls. And I totally love that.
0: And the two villains of the film, one is Pastor Skip, right. who's this, like, hip pastor who's, like, <laughs> trying to, like, uh, he's, like, who's down with the G-O-D? And, like, let's get our Christ mm-hmm. on. Like, he's trying to relate with the Utes. Him and Hillary Faye, who's, like, the Queen bee of the high school played by uh, Mandy mm-hmm. Moore. She is, like, the straight-A student who's, mm-hmm. like, trying to ace the, like, God thing and, right. like, save as many souls as she can to be the best student in high school. Mm-hmm. And the movie doesn't villainize either of those characters, I don't think. If, if anything, it's, like, this version of, like, God's not dead evangelism is, like, bad for them as well. Yeah. And, yeah. like, trapping them in a box, that's like, making them miserable.
2: Yeah, like, they're trapped in what they believe Christian dogma is propelling them to do. But it does, I mean, and at the at the very end, you know, Pastor Skip is saying there are black and white approaches to, you know, being gay and being a teen, a pregnant teen and their framework of Christianity doesn't allow them to kind of dwell in the gray area, which uh, Jenna Malone's character eventually is able to do. And I, I think it's it really shows Christianity as a tool that can be used in you know for whatever purposes you. Yeah, I mean, for. I
1: think it's actually the most Christ-like yeah. movie of the bunch that we. Watched
0: well, I'd say like maybe it it has kind of the shack's, like you know, all accepting everything is spiritual, yeah. But it really people have many names for God, but it's all the same, you know, thing,
1: yeah. But see, the shack doesn't go into any of the negative, like God's not dead, the judgmental stuff, whereas this, like, actually tackles the complexity of religious faith, and I think like its overall message is way more impactful and truthful to like what Christianity should be that's all kind of like dressed up in this kind of satirical teen comedy so I think it like works beautifully on multiple levels it's
0: kind of deceptively complex like yeah it's working in this, like, genuine, like, teen romance drama where it's, like, she likes him, but he likes <laughs> yeah. her. And, and uh, it's got all that kind of stuff going on. And with the John Hughes climax, like, it really commits to that. It doesn't, like, let that go by the wayside. And at the same time, it's also got these, like, one liner zingers, like, making fun of, like, Christian culture. Mm-hmm. It's like, you're not born a gay. You're born a gay. <laughs> yeah. Or, like... Uh, when the guy she really thinks is hot, Patrick Fugit, is mm-hmm. like on the cross uh, in like the passion play, uh, the Jewish girl leans over to her and she's like, Now that's what I call being hung on a cross. <laughs> like staring at his crotch. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's like a lot of you know, like edgy type one liners, but never going so far as just mercilessly make fun of Christianity.
1: Yeah. Right. It toes tows a thin line. Mm-hmm. It could have been like a like a dogma right just total piling on like religion is bullshit. But it's not. It actually like celebrates the best aspects of Christianity produced
0: by Michael Stipe, who is an insufferable atheist. So I don't know how they (laughs) got away with that.
1: Oh, that's right. So it is the same Michael Stipe. Okay.
0: Interesting. That Mr. Losing my religion, uh, funded this film in some way.
1: Hmm. That's an interesting angle. Had
0: you? I mean, it's not like me and Hannah grew up with this film. I, I watched it a lot in college, but it's probably this is my been... first time
1: seeing oh, it. Oh, really? I really, really liked it. Awesome. Too. Yeah.
0: And but I'm a cheerleader. You said it reminded you of that. I know we both saw that recently mm-hmm. for the first time as well, and that was like an instant love for me.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same here.
2: Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, when he's uh calling her from the from Mercy Home and his his roommate passed <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's my roommate. Like, okay.
0: Yeah, the irony of like piling all these gay kids yeah. <laughs> like in uh, you know, an isolated spot together to help right. each other through being gay together. Exactly. Uh.
1: But I just think it's interesting of the three films we watched, Save definitely is the best film if we're talking yeah. about- film is like an art form. It does something that the other two just don't have a grasp on.
0: It feels more like art where the other ones are like philosophical debates, which is a cheat on my part because, you know, I picked a movie I like, whereas like the assignment was more like, let's talk about Christian movies. You know, this is still technically a Christian film, but it is me going out and -hmm. like picking the most like palatable to me version of that.
1: Yeah, but, but again, I think it actually has a like really solid message and it is like a pro. I mean, it is pro acceptance like the shack, but it is. It doesn't really hate on religion. I think it sees the good that religion can bring. Yeah, she doesn't the end the
0: film. An atheist gets an abortion or right, something. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah. yeah, and I think it is worthwhile. You know, And there are so many poorly made Christian films. And there is one that me and James watched about... Oh, it's homeless for the holidays. Oh, God. Yeah. So the, well, Oof. anyway, I think it is worthwhile to... You know, recognize that a film can have a Christian message and still be a good piece of art, and be enjoyable, and be a little bit irreverent while still honoring, you know, the core, um, you know, theology that it's it's based on.
0: And maybe that's something that'll come out of all these pure flicks, the hateful yeah. Christian films, are actually making money. Maybe like that'll make it seem less daring for a Hollywood mm-hmm. production to dare be Christian. Uh, and, you know, just tell, like, a regular-ass story at the same time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But the problem is that this actually is the dominant culture. No matter how much God's yeah. Not Dead wants you to think that this is, like, a few people, like, fighting against the evils of the world. Like, they are in control of everything. So, like, when you're making art from a Christian perspective, the best you could do is punch down if you're, like, trying to convert people. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know. It's, it's, an, it's a tricky thing to pull off. And I feel like Saved pulls off the trick in a very interesting, mm-hmm. kind of subtle way. Yeah. Because it's still punching up at, you know, Christian, like, totalitarianism in, right. in a way without being vicious about it. Yeah, I don't know.
2: and even Christian colonialism, you know, the, the missionary work. And she's, she's asking, or the uh, Hillary Fay is asking the, the love interest, you know, oh, how many savages did you convert? It's just like... Which
0: country would you say is the most godless and needs yeah. to be saved? <laughs> <laughs> like, she's judging the world based right, on that. Exactly. I got to ask you, like, this sort of came up because y'all have been watching, like, these sort of... When I'm saying that is the dominant culture, you've been watching movies along that line, like, Driving Miss Daisy and Crash. Crash. I don't Mm -hmm. know if you saw Green Book, but I feel like that's in the same vein. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why are you doing this? Like, what are you getting out of that, like, anthropological look at uh, Christian...
1: Or not even Christian, but I see this trend that happens where, like, a good example would be, like, how Moonlight wins Pittsburgh best picture one year mm-hmm. and then the next year it's back to green book saying they were like driving Miss Daisy. It's like it's reactionary, right? It's like society is like advancing, progressing, but then Hollywood and mainstream culture kind of has to, there's this conservative streak where it has to like dial yeah. it back, bring it back. And I think that is the trend that happens in general with like politics and any social movement. It's progressing progressing you take two steps forward and then you gotta take a step back mm-hmm. and that's where the movies like crash and driving miss daisy and green book i see it as this like kind of conservative reactionary thing where it's like oh we're, we're progressing too fast we need to like go back to i don't know a simpler time or however you want to look at it
0: but the the Feeling, I guess, these movies are like mostly just like fine. They're all like C grade, like yeah, yeah. They're not terrible. The their worst offense is like being uninteresting and like a an undaring. You know, Mm -hmm. they're very like middle of the road kind of films,
2: overly sentimental.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that appeals to old people, and like that's the people in like the academy. You're talking about the people winning Oscars. It's Mm -hmm. the old boomers who are like Mm -hmm. reacting against this younger class coming in
1: to have like Moonlight win one year and then Black Klansman. The next, or, or like... No, it was Moonlight
0: and then The Shape of Water, which
1: almost feels like oh, a sure. middle ground, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah. Shape of
0: Water has some sort of like all-accepting like racism politics, but it's also a weird movie about fish fucking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I <laughs> love that movie. I love that movie yeah. so
2: much. It is fantastic.
0: That feels like a good middle ground between those two extremes, mm-hmm. maybe. Yeah. I, I could see what both sides see in that.
2: Yeah.
1: But I, I see the same with what we were talking about today with this movement of like Christian cinema. I think large segments of the country see the country kind of changing in ways that feels alien to them and it's getting like maybe too progressive and so it's like this reactionary thing so it's like oh if the left can own hollywood and put out their propaganda which it's not but that's how they view it then it's like the right and conservatives and religious people feel the need to like react to that and have their own Hollywood, so to speak.
2: Yeah. I also I do feel like Green Book and Driving Miss Daisy were both, you know, both won during very kind of extreme moments in in racial history, like with a lot of violence and unrest. With Rodney King mm -hmm. around that time. Right. And that was the same year that Do the Right Thing was not nominated. That's an abomination. (laughs) Well, and then Black
0: Klansman is like a much better film than Green Book. Yeah, exactly. So
2: those have felt to me like attempts to kind of pacify people and say like oh you know we can just just see i learned to see eye to eye and like with the with green book you know he's an italian immigrant and oh we were persecuted too which is i mean i actually found out recently that in new orleans 11 italian americans were lynched in like 1980 well anyway that's beside the point
0: yeah it's like a it's it's true to a point but
2: it's not the not the same you've
0: become a part of like white hegemony at some point right
2: yeah, and exactly. To claim
0: because your ancestor was persecuted that you have the same, like, problems that a black person has right. now yeah. uh, is so fucking stupid. Right, <laughs> it's, exactly. It's such a, like, a, like, it's something like a college freshman would come mm-hmm. up with, not like a yeah. real world problem.
2: Yeah, exactly. Oh, man, there were, there is this kid in some of my class, uh, in my African-American psychology classes who is Jewish, and we would talk about how, um, like african name on a resume will get turned away and he would say like oh i have a jewish name and it's the same it's the same thing like it's not
0: apples and oranges yeah Yeah. not
2: not really anyway but you know that has felt those green book and driving miss daisy have felt like attempts to kind of like call the tide like trying to stop people from from speaking out about race and getting energized around um social change
0: yeah i mean if you listen to all the um acceptance speeches for Green Book, Peter Farley, the director, like, is basically talking about the common ground rhetoric where yeah. it's like, all we need to see is, like, the, the sameness we have and not stop focusing like, on eh. the differences, but, which is the exact opposite <laughs> right. of what we need to be doing. We need to learn to celebrate our differences and, like, learn mm-hmm. how to, you know, yeah. reconcile them. Yeah. I,
1: I think to, like, tie it all together, I do think, like, it's sort of the same thing that's happening in Christian cinema just from the movies we watched where, like, God's not dead... The first one made a good bit of money. Apparently, there was two sequels Mm -hmm. as well. Oh, yeah, it's a trilogy. That made much... It was very much diminishing Mm. returns. And apparently, those two are kind of the same kind of vile, mean. And so I think like even Christian Hollywood has sort of done the same thing with The Shack feels like that. It's Mm -hmm. like, oh, this is going to turn people off if we're super... Mean about it, we need to dress it up and this more pacifying sort of way that has more mainstream appeal. It's like they've kind of learned the same, or they're doing the same tactics that like Hollywood and it is makes doing. for a
0: worse film in the meantime. I think,
2: yeah, yeah, no,
1: I, yeah, I'd agree.
2: It also does feel like the pastor skip version of a, oh, a Christian yeah. movie, yeah. like hey, yeah. you down with like everybody can get down with God, yeah,
1: it's like those big mega churches that have. Mm-hmm. Bands come in and the pastor wears like cargo shorts and yeah. I mean, you could swap out
0: Newsboys from God's Not Dead with whatever Christian band plays the prom at and uh, Saved, and you I wouldn't couldn't tell you the difference. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So yeah, I, I think there's an interesting parallel going on there. But watch Saved. You don't need to watch these
0: other two. Yeah. That's my opinion.
1: <laughs> you should watch God's Not Dead if you're. I don't know. If you yeah. want to anger up your blood.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> well that was fun y'all unless y'all have anything else to add
2: well i do want to say uh, my favorite scene from saved maybe is when she finds out she's pregnant and she's standing outside the church and she's just like fuck god damn and the the cross is getting closer and closer like that to me is the perfect epitomization of your you know belief system coming up against this like you know a baby growing in your belly
0: and then she's biking home and like, wishing to herself, please let it be cancer. Please yeah. let it be cancer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. She'd rather have cancer than be pregnant, Yeah,
1: uh, which is nope. so sad. The one last thing I'll add in piling on how Saved was so good, it's <laughs> like, um, you were talking about that John Hughes kind of climax where it all comes out at prom. Mm-hmm. But this felt like such, it was like that on steroids because you have the gay boyfriend showing up mm-hmm. with, like, his crew. You have the Mandy Moore, like running into the statue that cut out of mm-hmm. Jesus, and she also gives birth to the baby. It was just like this ridiculous climax, or a all farce. these, yeah, yeah. It was like yeah. a farce. All these like plot threads all come together, and all happens when at prom. The, they all pile in the
0: ambulance, and you're like, "Who are you? I'm the boyfriend. I'm the father. I'm the father's boyfriend." <laughs> right? Like, yeah, that's very like classical comedy in that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'd say also just worth noting that like this is the best performances from Mandy Moore, and also. Probably the last good Macaulay Culkin performance. Yeah. So if you like so those after two,
1: Party Monster. Or? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Okay. Pretty soon by, and I watched both of those films a lot in college, so it's mm-hmm. kind of weird that they came out in tandem. But yeah, I, I think if you like those two actors in general, mm-hmm. it's worth looking at as well. See this movie. Yep. It's good. Get saved. That's our uh, <laughs> that's our recommendation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, we'll be back next week because this is now a weekly podcast. Uh, Cece and I have been filing these like shorter episodes between the regular ones. Last week we talked about "Cruel Intentions" and uh, "High Life," uh, which you know me and James already got into a little bit at the top of this episode. <laughs> and next week we'll be talking about Beyonce. So if you like Beyonce, come back for the next episode of the Swampflix Podcast. <laughs> thank you for joining us, Hannah. Yeah, it was great.
2: Thank you for having me. Yeah,
0: more often. More we'll often. It. Bye, everybody.
2: Bye. Bye.
0: away from satan
2: jesus he he loves you you don't know the first thing about love